Hello, Internet. It's a uh, bronchially challenged Michael Leary here. And, uh, and Andy. Andy's here as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with a residual cough, as they call it. Yes. And, uh, and Andy brought the, the sickness into our household. <laughs> and now it has spread to yours truly. And when, when Papa goes down, the whole world stops. Right? When the, when the kids are sick, doesn't matter. When Mama's sick, the world does stop. But when dad's sick, you know, and, and I, I mean, I have to confess, and I don't know if I can get an amen anywhere out there in internet land. And I don't mean to, to, to gender stereotype in these very sensitive days, but my, my, my wife, I mean, she's given birth. She's, she said viral, viral meningitis, uh, and then moved the next day. Um, I mean, she's, she's kind of a stud in the big things, but when she gets like a paper cut, or a just just some little tiny like biggest biggest chicken in the history of the world and i'm the complete opposite like i've had um i've had you know my eyelids sewn back on from rugby um i've broken bones i've i mean i've 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 had all kinds of bloody things and weird you know and i'm great with that but if i get sick it's over. It's over. It's over. My wife can get sick and she's fine. It's like nothing's happening. She just feels <laughs> bad while she's still doing everything she normally does. When I get sick, it's it's the world collapses. Stars collapse in upon themselves. It is it is as if the the second law of thermodynamics is accelerated in my body so that I the only thing I can do is move to the couch. And that's it. Yeah. And any and any other thing is like it's it, you're asking me to do the impossible. I can't. What What do you mean clean and straighten up? I'm sick. It's a cold. It's a it's a cold. So anyway, that's my confession for today. Does yeah. that make sense? That makes sense. It, it validates why they probably make biological warfare illegal because people just we'd all curl up. We'd and, all and, curl and, up. And, It'd be just unfair. And war it doesn't even have politics. to be. It doesn't even have to be. <laughs> doesn't have to be deadly. All you'd have to do is just loose the flu on Mike Erie's household and Mike Erie's done there's no there's no defending the household whatever happens to the kids is fine it's cuz <laughs> i've got the flu right i mean and that's all that matters so um so that's my confession but today andy people ask me sometimes do you have any idea what we're going to do and i say nope i want andy's uh pure unfiltered beautiful brown eyed responses um, I also want to remind you that uh, we have two podcasts now. One mm-hmm. is called the Vox Podcast, the Mike Erie Subversive Kingdom Podcast, which is this one that you are listening to. Yep. And we also have one called the Vox Community Podcast. That is also on iTunes if you type in Vox Community. Or if you go onto our website, voxoc.com, mm-hmm. um, and then go under the Gatherings tab, there is a link there. And and that's, that is that is the... The record of our stories and our um, our uh, teachings from this little church that we've birthed out of the podcast, and yeah. so Andy shared a bit of his story in uh, yesterday in a hugely, hugely compelling way. Mm. And uh, if you want to see why I don't trust him, listen to that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and 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 it's an interesting. This little church has been a really interesting thing for us because of the kinds of people that are showing up. Um, it really is. I mean, our estimate is about half the room are, are folks that aren't uh, church yeah. folks or Jesus folks or Bible folks. And it's really, it's really interesting to see the dynamic. So anyway, all that is to say we have two podcasts. Uh, if you'd like, check both of those out. They're different. The, the, the Sunday one is focused just on stories about how beautiful Jesus is. Uh, and this one obviously talks about how Jesus is beautiful in the midst of cultural issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's the difference. Uh, today though, we want to talk, yeah. And probably a quick shout out to, uh, what was his name that came yesterday? Was it Steve from Philadelphia? From Philadelphia. Yeah, so. Was it was his name Steve? Or was it Larry? No, it was, uh, not, it was not Larry. Was it Danny? Daniel? Maybe. There was a guy, a podcaster from uh, Philadelphia who showed up in uh, the world headquarters of Vox OC. <laughs> not in Brea, which is where we are, but in Placentia where our little church is. So yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, so cool. hello, Larry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we know is not your name. So, um, 
He won the commuter award yesterday. Yeah. So <laughs> so today, uh, I've been I've been stewing on something, and uh, we'll get back to the um, does God call suffering conversation next week. I think if I can get that one ready. But this one, so there was a there was a a, a, a tweet that was sent out that I absolutely loved, and it said. A scared world needs a fearless church, mm. and I thought, okay, that that to me is interesting um, because so much of what's happening in our world is fear based. And, and then after that, I saw that there was this whole sort of hubbub about uh, Donald Trump forming uh, an, an evangelical advisory council, and then meeting with a thousand evangelical faith leaders. And then James Dobson coming out and saying, well, he's a baby Christian. And, and then kind of walking that back and saying, well, I'm not sure. I mean, I just heard that. <laughs> and, and, and so, so I was the, 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 the two things for me were sitting in tension. Um, because, uh, and so I, so I tweeted out something when, when this National uh, Advisory Board came out. And my tweets, but the world does not need my tweets. It just does it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape, or form important. But um, what I what I tweeted was, I'm glad the version of Christianity represented here, and I had a link to the names of the people that were on this advisory council. I said, I'm glad the version of Christianity represented here will soon perish. Yeah. And then and then link to that. And um and I think we were all at the at the table, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. And so, not surprisingly, um, the ensuing, you know, divisiveness. So I was I, I was um, taken to task uh, by many for why would I criticize uh, evangelical leaders meeting with Trump? Why? Why? Maybe he'll come to Jesus. Maybe they'll share Jesus. Um, Hillary doesn't have an evangelical council, so <laughs> so you know I'll take the candidate that has one over the candidate that doesn't have one. Um, I'm a hypocrite because I say that Jesus hung out with sinners, but yet I, I would be opposed to this uh, this council. You know, hanging yeah. out with Trump. Sure. Um, I'm jealous. Someone said I'm jealous because I didn't get an invite, which um, <laughs> I can I can definitively refute that one as no. Um, people were saying, Hey, we're voting for a leader. We're not voting for a pastor. So just get over it. Um, uh, we have to be pragmatic. Um, I'm a liberal just for questioning Trump at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, criticizing Trump as a vote for Hillary. I mean, and, and on and on I went. And, and so I've been, I've been thinking over the last couple of weeks about that whole dynamic of the evangelical leadership and Donald Trump. And then this, this singular tweet of, a scared world needs a fearless church. And the thing I want to suggest today is that the, the, the support of Trump for many in the evangelical camp is based on fear, and it's not based on anything but that. And, and the, the slow wooing of the evangelical community and the argument, well, at least it's, you know, it's not Hillary. And, and some of the things that are being suggested and the way that Trump is preying on the fears of evangelicalism makes Jesus very ugly in this election cycle. And so uh, I want to I double down on, on my tweet and say, no, I, I actually think we've done great harm to the name of Jesus by by associating in large numbers and uh, with this guy. And so uh, and that's not to say Hillary's without fault. The only reason I'm so so after Trump is because my tribe is is starting to fall in love with him. Yeah. After we were opposing everything he was about. Now, you know, here comes the here comes the wooing and here's the advisory board and oh coincidentally, oh, he's become a Christian, you know? And 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 if if this were happening with evangelicals and Hillary, I'd have the same issue. This isn't you know, this isn't a Trump-focused thing. It's yeah. more of, my, I'm looking at my tribe going, what the heck are we doing? How how are we being fearless in the world? We're not. And, and so what I want to do uh, is spend a little bit of time um, going over some of the details. And this may be painful, and you may be a Trump supporter and just hate this. Um, but please understand, this isn't specific to Trump. It's specific to evangelicalism. Mm. And if you're not a Jesus follower... Then, then you're going to resonate with a lot of this, because um, I, I think there's been this unholy matrimony of uh, the word evangelical and the word Republican mm. or conservative yeah. in, in the imaginations of many. And I think you know, if if 
if these are the leaders of evangelicalism, then I'm not a, I'm not an evangelical. Yeah. No matter what my theology is, they don't speak for me, even remotely. So I feel right. like there have to be other voices saying, no, no, no. So uh, I spent a lot of time um, trying to make this point. Uh, the evangelical community is being used and uh, they're reinforcing cultural narratives that hinder the gospel. All right. So that's that's my basic my basic concern here. And that that would be specific to Hillary, specific to Trump, specific to Ralph Nader. For those of you Gen Xers, remember sweet Ralph. So um so so Donald has this advisory committee. And then has uh, a meeting with a thousand evangelical leaders, and and I read, I spent, I spent time reading the transcript of this thing, and um, what was supposed to be the the uh, a mutual listening of concerns um, was very blatantly a cheerleading rally, con- trying to convince people that this is our guy, and so I want to I want to justify that by pulling from some of the transcript. Um, so, so Ben Carson gets up, of course, and, uh, and, uh, reminds people that, that Hillary did a dissertation on this guy named Saul Alinsky, who wrote a book called Rules for Radicals and had a dedication to Lucifer in it. And, and, and so, well, you know, here we go that, you know, boom, we lead with Hillary's evil and awful Franklin Graham comes up and reminds us all that the great leaders in the Bible were sinners. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we shouldn't let Trump's sin kind of dissuade us from voting for him, which I'm like, really, this is supposed to be some neutral objective thing. And you're already kind of feeding, you know, countering the concerns. And Mm -hmm. and it's and here's the irony, Andy, here's the total hypocrisy. So Trump's sin isn't supposed to bother us. But Hillary's is. Oh, yeah. Right? So Hillary, we're pounding Hillary on character. Character, character, character. Benghazi and emails and blah, 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 blah. But no, Trump's, he's a serial adulterer. He's a liar. He's greedy. That should matter because all of the great leaders in the Bible were sinners. What a freaking joke. Right? I was so, I'm like, come on. (laughs) You don't speak for me. And then then he prays. And here's what he prays. That uh, father... God, we pray that each one here today will leave this room with a new appreciation of this man and his family. That's the prayer. Boy, that sounds neutral. Then, then Jerry Falwell Jr. gets up, and 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 it's it's a it's a sheer apologetic for why Trump. I mean, he, here's things he says. Um, as you know, Liberty University does not support or oppose candidates for public office. A lawyer makes me say that. But I personally feel strongly that Donald Trump is God's man to lead our nation at this crucial crossroads. And then there's a applause. Uh, he says, in the last presidential election, 25 million Christians who were registered but didn't bother to show up at the polls, we are the single most influential voting block. I say F you, idiot. We're not a voting block for crying out loud. I hate it. I hate yeah. this. I hate this. Um, he says, I've seen a man who honors his fiduciary responsibilities through his corporations. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Never. I mean, never mind all of the stories coming out to the contrary. He makes tough decisions to ensure his business's success. He speaks the truth publicly. He, yet he treats his friends, employees, people in need with the greatest respect, loyalty, and generosity. Uh, to me, this election is very simple. We have an election between someone who promises he will support issues important to us as Christians, including appointing a just, justices to the Supreme Court who would make us all proud. Mr. Trump is a bold and fearless leader who will take the fight to our enemies and to the radical Islamic terrorists, whether they attack in San Bernardino, Orlando, or Paris, or whether they simply steal American jobs through unfair trade practices. Yep, sounds just like Jesus. Sounds just like Jesus. He goes on. This is still Falwell. He doesn't expect you to agree with him on every issue or to endorse or condone his style of leadership. If we all wait for the perfect candidate who has the demeanor of our pastors and agrees with us on every issue, including our personal theological beliefs, then we all may sit at home on election day for the rest of our lives. How many of you can honestly say that you agree with your spouse on everything? So you've got you've got two evangelical leaders already preempting criticisms. Yeah. Number one, hey, who, who agrees on everything? And number two, hey, we're all just sinners anyway, right? And this is supposed to be a neutral expression of of a conversation and dialogue between evangelical leaders and Trump. Nope, this is a Trump rally, kids. 
Uh, Mike Huckabee leads with the the softest ball question in the history of the world. Um, and so these are all nationally known people associated with evangelicalism, right? Mm -hmm. These are not to the, to the world's eyes, not to us, right? From within evangelicalism, we go, no, no, they, they represent different streams. Yeah. But for those not within evangelicalism, they look at that. Well, yeah, those are the, those are the, those are the leaders. Yeah. So, so Huckabee gets up and asks him the most softball question about, you've got the greatest relationship with your kids I've ever seen. So Trump then goes on and on and on about how, how he raised his kids and, and so on, so on, so on. And, uh, and in his answer, he says, um, we were at a meeting of 50 ministers, pastors, Christians, and two rabbis. And I said, why is it the whole thing with Christianity? It's not going in the right direction. It's getting weaker, weaker, weaker from a societal standpoint. And over the course of various meetings, I realized that there are petrified ministers and churches. And he begins to go after the this this exemption or this uh, this tax exempt thing that says we that we as Christians cannot speak publicly as churches or we're in danger of losing our tax exempt status. So mm. Trump starts pounding that in the answer about his kids. Uh, then Huckabee comes up and uh, and then says again, "Hey, I don't think anyone here expects you to be theological today. I want to put you at ease. I don't think anyone's here thinking we're interviewing you to be our next pastor. This is not a pastoral search committee, so you're off the hook for deep theological questions. And I think that's probably most important. Come on. <laughs> um, and and so so then James Dobson comes up, a founder of Focus on the Family, uh, and then and then asks about religious liberty." So here's Dobson's question. Mm -hmm. What will your administration do to help promote all of our freedoms? Um, or do we have to fight another revolutionary war to preserve them? All right. Very mm, good. Mm -hmm. I wonder where that question's going. So then he goes nuts on Supreme Court justices. Um, uh, we will, uh, Trump says, we will do nothing but appoint pro-life justices. Um, we will overturn this uh, tax-exempt status thing. Uh, so that you can speak freely on these issues. And, uh, and then he says, um, you know, the people walking down the street individually have more power than you do, Christians, because they can say whatever they want and you can't. And we're going to get rid of that. This is Trump speaking. And if we don't, I really think you're going to have a continuing spiral. I don't want to see that because I've been a Christian and love Christianity. And evangelicals have been so incredibly supportive. Um, not only did I win, I won in a landslide. Evangelicals were all on my side. I won the South. I won all over, blah, blah, blah. I always say we're going to have a time very soon when I get elected, when people are going to say Merry Christmas again. <laughs> it, it, that's all I want. That's all I want is oh. for in America, I can just go around and say Merry Christmas. Yep. Yep. And, and, and so he starts pounding the religious freedom line. You know, if, if a coach gets fired and, and there's some legitimate wackiness, right? A coach gave a Bible to some kid and gets fired. I mean, I'm opposed to all that, but there's the preying on the, the fear. I mean, this ramping up of fear. Huckabee interjects. I, I honestly think we almost stop now because what you said was so refreshing. And, and <laughs> uh, then we have the former president of the, of the Southern Baptist convention. What are you going to do to help? Uh, race relations. And then he goes after, we need jobs. Our jobs are being taken away by other countries. Um, NAFTA, he attacks Obamacare, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, just perfectly scripted. David Jeremiah, senior pastor, asks about what about Israel? I mean, Christians have this great affinity for Israel. And Trump responds by criticizing the Iran deal. Um, Samuel Rodriguez, president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. What's your strategy in um, bridging uh, in, in, in dealing with immigration and also bridging gaps to uh, the Latino population. So Trump, of course, you know, border protection, uh, we're going to tackle drugs and we're going to build a wall. Tony Perkins, president of the uh, Family Research Council, goes to the military. Uh, the administration's implemented policies allowing open homosexuality in our marriage, place women in infantry. Um, they're urgently pushing transgenderism within the ranks of the military. Um, we've seen sexual assaults go through the roof. So Trump, of course, I mean, these are all softball questions. Um, uh, we need a strong military. Our military has been de depleted. And then he talks about immigrants from Muslim countries, ISIS infiltration, the threat of domestic terrorism. Uh, Kelly Shackelford, uh, president and CEO of the First Liberty Institute Law Firm. asks another question about religious liberty. 
And um, and 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 Trump responds by saying, um, uh, "Why why should the world condemn us for speaking our minds? We have the power. We should have the power." Um, but ultimately, it's going to be the courts that decide this, and um, the next president may may put up to three or four or five justices on the bench. Um, so he goes off on that. Um, but we have to let's see, we have to bring this. Oh, this this line. Oh my goodness. But we have to bring that back. We have to bring those values back. We have to bring that spirit back. And in a way, it's been taken away from you by the federal government and by these horrendous things that have been allowed in the past. But just remember this. You are the most powerful group in this country, but you have to realize that. You have to band together. You have to band together. If you don't band together, you're not really powerful. You have a powerful church. I see it. I see some of these incredible pastors and ministries that speak so brilliantly, and I see it. But they're great within their audience, but then outside they don't have it. You have to band together as a group, but if you do that, you will bring it back like nothing has ever been brought back. So so it's an appeal to the power that we should be having. James Robison um, comes up and and says, Donald Trump, I can tell you this with no exaggeration, Donald Trump is greatly impressed with the Jesus he saw in those men and women, the Christian leaders on his advisory team and in you. He likes what he sees. And with all my heart, I believe that his heart is open to receiving from the Jesus that we love and worship. Uh, and then begins uh, to pray for Trump. So um, that that were, that were just the, the tidbits, tidbits of the rally, okay? <laughs> now, again, uh, the, the fact that it's specific to Trump, I mean, it could be Hillary. It just doesn't, it's, it's the cozying up of evangelical leadership to this that I want to just, I want to keep pounding away at. So, so this is a guy that we're now supposed to support who, who is the living, breathing embodiment of what Jesus is radically opposed to. Yeah. All right. So here's a guy who, um, uh, flaunts, um, his, uh, his heterosexuality. Um, he, in terms of multiple affairs, multiple, uh, and insults, uh, and uh, condescensions to women. I mean, total total sexism, and we're supposed to just overlook that. Um, <laughs> many evangelicals, uh, you know, we promote the sanctity of marriage, and here's a guy that that you know doesn't respect it at all. Um, we fear America is becoming too secular, but here's a guy who doesn't go to church, who doesn't say say he says he doesn't need to ask God for forgiveness. Uh, we often oppose gambling, and here's a guy that made has made his wealth off of casinos. Um, we we're opposed to pornography, and here's Jerry Falwell Jr. with a picture shaking hands with Mr. Trump with a with with Trump in uh, with a, a a cover of a Playboy magazine, you know, on the back wall. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just so ridiculous. And then after the meeting, um, Jack Graham penned a FoxNews.com mir- mir- uh, article. Excuse me, not miracle. Uh, Eric Metaxas. <laughs> Uh, all of these, like, there's this massive push now, um, and 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 the, the line is this: this is this is the thing that Trump said that's been most often repeated. This is such an important election, as I say to you folks, because you have such power, such influence. Unfortunately, the government has weeded uh, it away from you. Remember this: if you ever add up, the men and women here are the most important, most powerful lobbyists. You are more powerful. Because you have men and women, you probably have something like 75-80% of the country believing, but you don't use your power. You don't use your power. Okay? Now, now think about that. What's what what has Trump appealed to? That he's a he's appealed to all of the fears mm-hmm. of of evangelicals. Number one, that our religious liberty is eroding. Right. Now, it is eroding, and we're terrified of that. Yeah. And so we just make that a continual issue. Uh, he appeals to um, what's going to happen with the Supreme Court and the fear that uh, we're going to have Hillary appointed justices or justices that aren't pro-life. Um, he appeals to the Second Amendment. Uh, Hillary's going to take away our guns. He appeals to our, our fear for our comfort security. So he talks about a strong military. He doesn't say anything. We're just, we're just going to have one and we're, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, it's going to be the best. He talks about immigration. And so, uh, the fear of the other invading our country, uh, not welcoming refugees, um, deporting, 
of folks building walls, you know, isolationism, fear of ISIS. He plays to all of that. He plays to the fear of imagine how how bad it will be with Hillary. He plays to the fear of domestic terrorism. He plays to the fear of lose, loss of job and economic security. Um, he he plays to the over-idealized past we have about America. Um, so make America great again is the is the play to, you know, 50, 60, 70 year olds about, boy, how great it used to be. Um, he, he plays the fear of the loss of cultural influence. So he just, you, you have power, you have influence and you can just hear, you can feel the lap dogs licking this up, mm. right? Th- these are the leftovers from the moral majority days, you know? And, and, um, so, so I don't see, I don't see Donald Trump as anything other than somebody who has tapped into the deep wells of fear that are going on about our changing world, about what's happening in our bathrooms, about what's happening with gender identity, uh, what's happening with gay marriage, what's happening um, with our economy, what's happening with our, you know, the, with ISIS and domestic. I mean, he's just tapping perfectly into that fearfulness. And when you hear him speak, um, at least as I was reading the transcript, you hear uh, that it's like someone just gave him gave him the top 10 issues and and he just no specifics but just we're going to do this 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 they're all applause lines and and not everybody who went to this meeting came away impressed i'm not saying that but i'm saying this wasn't the neutral conversation this was a cheerleader yeah. this was this was trump this was trump envoy envoys saying to evangelical leaders we got to get behind this guy is there any comments of challenge like in the transcript of someone being able to speak up and say so you said this but we don't really see that like is there any of that at all not what i found not during the meeting now i'm sure privately sure um there are people who uh, oppose um but the 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 very clear and again i mean if you're not a jesus follower and if you're not aware of all of the divisions within evangelicalism, and you're just seeing news reports on Twitter and sound bites pulled out, what are you thinking? You're yeah. thinking, I mean, every cultural narrative you have about evangelical Christians is just being reinforced. Yeah. Um, and we're doing nothing to provide a counter narrative to that. And so, so part of why I wanted to spend some time on a scared world needs a fearless church is whether or not you vote for Donald Trump isn't as important as why. To me, the cozying up of evangelical leadership and attendance at a meeting like this or even participation in advisory council is is something that should be um, not done. Uh, It's it's simply because for far too long, we've been seen as a voting block. We've been used in the political process. We, um, the, the amount of energy and anger and angst and time we put into being upset about politics and, and the good it's done in the world, um, is ridiculous. Uh, it's done, it's done not much and it's consumed vast amounts of resources that could have been used to advance the mission of Jesus, um, and vast, vast amounts of energy because this is Donald Trump is the perfect, uh, revealer of the idolatry of the evangelical church, mm. that it really is about comfort, security, um, and, uh, and safety. And, and so he just, he taps into all of our idolatries, all of our weaknesses. It's not, our hope really isn't in Christ. Our trust really isn't in Christ. It's in a strong military, secure borders, a thriving economy, uh, and the fact that we can have Christian values on display everywhere. That's what he's appealing to. And I think we need to repent of the fact that those are those are legitimately the idols of our hearts, and uh, that that um, we so willingly play into the narratives that expose that idolatry um, by you know being people that are known more for support of Trump uh, than they are about excuse me. <coughs> bronchitis uh then they are for loving peace loving mercy i mean there was a great article that came out in new new york times today that said let's talk about the worldview of donald trump and let's talk about the beatitudes of jesus right blessed are the meek blessed are the poor blessed are uh those who mourn blessed are the peacemakers and i mean how can anyone with a straight face and and then it's the excuses that come from well but we're not hiring a pastor but but on the other side you tell me hillary's character is all that matters yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so back at you, 
I mean, and, 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 and people getting after me, well, we've got to be pragmatic and it's the lesser of two evils. And I say, no, God calls me to steward my vote. And at this point, I cannot in good conscience as a follower of Jesus vote for either one of these guys. Yeah. So that means there's a third party mm-hmm. candidate. I'm writing in Jesus of Nazareth or I'm staying home. And people are going to say, yeah, but that's just a vote for Hillary then. Blah, 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 blah. Nope, 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 nope. If that's how you see this election, is is it's either and 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 it's the binary it's this division that that so infuriates me jesus transcends all of this thing all of these things and yet man if if you don't support trump you're supporting hillary and and that's all there is no i don't want to support hillary and i don't want to support donald i neither one of them is worthy of my vote sorry this round so i don't know what to do with that except to say well i may protest and just simply sit out fine, I'll get criticized, blah, 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 you're lame, you're liberal. No, no. I don't think it's any more liberal to insist that the evangelical church not cozy up to either freaking candidate. Yeah. I don't think that's liberal. Yeah, that's My right. goodness. And the fact that it's focused at Trump is the only reason we're talking about him. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't waste a moment's breath reading this bluster. And the fact that people can't see it for what it is just he's the candidate america deserves and i'm Mm. thrilled i am thrilled that uh if you really want to know what i think i'm thrilled that he will get destroyed in november and the republican party as we've known it will be dead and that advisory council can go take a seat on the bench because there needs to be a new expression of political activism that is not tied to conservative Republican politics. Mm-hmm. So I actually celebrate Trump's rise, even though I think I, I think it's so unbelievably foolish. He's the candidate we deserve. Beautiful. Let's just watch the implosion and four years from now, we'll try again. I just think <laughs> I think the evangelical church, and I'm a part of this. I've been a part of this. And I need to repent of the idolatry that Trump taps into. It's that simple. It's yeah. that simple. So let's say Hillary wins. Let's say she she appoints five radical justices. And let's say that, that transgenderism is pushed into every school curriculum. And let's say that the gay lobby has so restricted freedom, we can't even preach against homosexuality and in, in, in any way say that it's sin if that's what we believe or risk prison. Let's say the worst possible imagining comes to happen. The economy tanks. Hillary takes our guns. Let's say all of that happens. Is the kingdom of God in any way disturbed? Does the kingdom cease to advance? Is Jesus no longer on the throne? Does Jesus need cultural privilege and the second and first amendment to do work? No, the best work in the world is happening where Jesus and his followers are persecuted, right? He's never needed this. So why in the world, why in the world do we think that if the worst comes to pass, right, that somehow the apocalypse has then happened? It's over. (laughs) And I would, and by the way, I'm not saying I'm for all of those things. I'm just saying play it out. Play it stinking out. Let's say it goes totally totalitarian. Let's say it goes nuts. Hillary is crazy. She votes herself into office for a lifetime. She's Emperor Palpatine. I mean, let's just play the thing out. Tell me, tell me how the work of Jesus on earth suffers. I just don't see it. I see what I see is all of the cultural Christians who think they are, but have never really counted the cost of discipleship will fall off. Mm -hmm. And those that are sincerely dedicated to living the beautiful Jesus will have opportunities to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying we should go welcome that. I'm not saying we should go look for persecution. I'm not saying we shouldn't um, do our best to to hang on to uh, the the agreements in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I mean, I, I... I absolutely disagree with a lot of what Trump says, but I I will fully go to the wall on his right to say it. In a pluralistic world, coaches should have the right to express faith. People should have the right to reject faith. People should have the right to use public restroom. I mean, I'm I'm okay. The big thing is the fear-mongering exposes the idolatry. The idolatry exposes the fact that we really don't hope and trust in Jesus for our real life. We just hope and trust for the life thereafter. Mm. And and this election and the cozying up of, quote, evangelical leadership to one part of this, the part of this equation that's fear-mongering the most, um, is just great cause for concern. So 
What I want to say is, listen, anytime we cozy up with, and, and don't give me this, hey, Donald may come to Jesus kind of, kind of business, right. because Jesus never spent time with Herod. Jesus never walked around um, with the rich and the powerful. Yes, he, he, he ate dinner with the uh, Pharisees for sure. But they were not rich and powerful. They were influential religiously. Mm-hmm. But Jesus went to all of the poor, the outcasts, the misfit. Would Jesus have dinner with Donald Trump? You bet. Would he serve on a freaking advisory council? Never. Mm-hmm. And even if you look at like the era of Charlemagne and Constantine, it's like, like well, let's take a great leader that is quote unquote Christian. And then what do we got? Oh, now we got the Crusades. Right. You know, so it's like, okay, well, that's like the only historic model of like high power Christian leadership and we yeah. get like massive anytime, massacre. <laughs> it seems like it seems like anytime Christians have been in power, like full power, yeah, uh, it hasn't ended well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now and, and that's because that's because and, and I think so so the negative side is that blast that I'm about to get blasted for. I get mm-hmm. that. The positive side is this. We have to we, one of the re- areas of repentance is we have to redefine what it means to have influence and what it means to have power. And, and Dobson and Falwell Jr. and those guys need a radically different redefinition of power. So, so f- from, from what I can see, there are five kinds of power. Um, one is brute force, right? I can make you do something. So with my with Seth, I, you know, when he disagrees with me, I can physically pick him up and put him in his car seat. Right. That's brute power. That's military power. That's that's economic power, right? I can just it doesn't matter what you're thinking or feeling. I can override it. That's in some ways that's the lure of political power, right? Mm-hmm. With a military to back it up or, a, or law enforcement to back it up. Machiavellian power is uh, manipulation. Hmm. It's it's the political process where you get someone to do what you want without them knowing that you're getting them to do what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Is that Mama? Oh, instead of calling in, Mama, it's summer in the uh, in the in the Vox World headquarters in Brea, California. So Mama's coming. Mama, you want to say anything? Good morning. Oh, Mama just got done walking, and so so Mama Mama goes out. Listens to some uh, some talk radio, thinks about all the ways I failed her as a husband, and <laughs> comes and, back and throws all the uh, comparisons. And walks, like, well, here's what here's what they're doing. And walks and walks very angrily. And then she comes back. Yeah. Huh? I listened to a podcast. What'd you listen to? Uh, the first January political one. You listen to you listen to the Mike Erie podcast. You should repost that one. It needs to be heard again. What <laughs> was that? The first one you listened to. Okay. I don't have that much time. Okay. All right. Would how good a kisser am I? Yep. She said very, very good is what she said. So <laughs> So uh, you were saying macadamia nut power. Yes. Right. Yes. Giradelli power. <laughs> so so Machiavellia, Machiavellian power is the power to manipulate. It's uh, how to control people without them knowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's power that can be placed into institutions. Um, uh, so you get systemic evils that um, you know reinforce cultural values, and people aren't mm-hmm. even aware that they're embedded in there. Sure. Like I mean, not that we sit on this side of the fence, but just like someone might suggest, like, well, teaching evolution in schools, how that you know other systems worked that kind of curriculum into the public system, right? And right, and, and other be, people would say example. teaching creationism in schools. Sure. Okay. Right. So yeah, so same thing. so so because we've learned whoever controls quote unquote the the education mm-hmm. um, systems controls kind of what our children think and believe. So right. huge battles around curriculum for for k through 12 and university freedom and all those sorts of things Mm -hmm. and and i think people are right to say religious liberty is decreasing Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely there are some things happening in the world that should be totally uh traumatizing to those of us who follow jesus because um the, the 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 same rights that we're that we're insisting um the gay community have the transgender community have, the Muslim community should have. Some of those rights are being infringed a little bit on the Christian community. And you go, hey, it just whatever it is, it should be equal. Right. So so it seems, it seems that one of the more least acceptable kind of um, 
worldview positions to hold is that of Jesus follower uh, right. in, in our world. So, okay, so that's true. But what do we do about it? Do we lament the loss of brute power? Because isn't that what the Supreme Court is? That's just brute power. Yeah. Or Machiavellian power. You know, well, well we... Influence and we being... Got, right. Yeah, well, no, no, no. Influence is a different kind of power. Oh, okay, okay. Um, uh, Machiavellian power is, hey, uh, remember, you know, Yale was founded as a seminary. And, oh, mm-hmm. now look at it. Sure. Um, okay. um, we've lost... Uh, our schools that uh, we we can't pray in school anymore. We can't post the Ten Commandments anymore. I mean those sorts of things. Right. Um, so so what I see in the appeal to Trump is the trying to regain those two forms uh, of power, okay. or at least expressions of them. Mm-hmm. But there are other there are other um, forms of power that are more powerful. Believe it or not, the power of wisdom. Um, our world uh, doesn't know how to live well. And what it what it means to be human well, and so the church, um, if it if it dares to believe that it sits on two thousand plus three thousand plus years of wisdom, um, it has something to say, and that's a form of power. Uh, when when you are look, you know, when you're diagnosed with cancer, you're not looking for a heart doctor, uh, you're not going to a dietitian, you're looking for a cancer specialist, right? That's a form of power, mm-hmm. knowledge. Another form of power, and I don't have a great, I don't have a great word for this, uh, except to use a biblical Greek word. It's it's the power of agape love. It's the mm-hmm. power of self-sacrificial love. Mm-hmm. It's the power that exists when, um, in, in a healthy family when there's disagreement. It's the power that exists when you know somebody loves you and is for you, and then speaks something hard into your life. It's the power that comes because you've chosen to give another person influence over your life because mm-hmm. of how they love you mm-hmm. and and uh, what kind of role model they've been for you. And that that's what we don't take advantage of yeah. enough in the church conversation. Mm-hmm. That's why to to you can't have agape power and you can't have Machiavellian or brute force power at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the agape demonstration of Jesus automatically by definition, is the forsaking of the other kinds of brute force and Machiavellian power. Mm. Agape power is I'm serving you and loving you without agenda, and and that's where, of course, I mean, how did Jesus how did Jesus defeat the principalities and powers by dying, suffering, and forgiving them, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, I, that's how he absorbed evil. How did Martin Luther King? defeat embedded racism yeah. right it wasn't it wasn't through brute force it wasn't through machiavellian power it was the power of example it was agape love it was the power of wisdom yeah oh my goodness gandhi mother teresa i mean our most powerful leaders see dictators anybody can use brute power or machiavellian power that's nothing right only jesus and those who emulate him can have lasting impact on the earth why? Because agape love—that's something. That's something you can't mess with. If you're willing to die for what you believe, uh, in service to the blessing of others, mm-hmm. not like uh, terrorists who are harming others, but dying for what you believe in service of others. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. What, there's nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. And then you have, lastly, the power. Excuse me, the, the power of example. So, the, I don't have to argue for for how good a family is if I have a healthy one, right? Well, the reason the power of story is 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 so significant is because it's tough to argue with someone's story and experience and so when you when you have people who stand up under criticism who are gracious to their critics who um who live well and virtuously there's a power there and all i'm saying is listen instead of pouring our energy and trying to have another seat at the political table to, to, to work the back channels of voting block, Machiavellian power, to pretend like we're having this neutral conversation when in reality it's a, it's, a, it's a pep rally. Let's forsake that and let's really focus on being communities of wisdom, agape, love, and example and see what that does. Let's just see what that does for four years, regardless of who's in power, regardless of who you vote for, regardless of what the Supreme Court does. Let's just focus on us being communities. Now, one last thing, Andy. And and I read this and thought, oh man, this is so good. Um, and, and this is really what uh, w- what we want to call the church to. All right. Uh, and this is from the founder of I don't know how to pronounce it. 
it is it was a um a care community for mentally disabled that henry nowen very famously joined towards the end of his life he wrote this he said the difference between a community and a group is only issue oriented um oh, oh, oh sorry 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 let me say that again sorry the difference between a community and a group that is only issue oriented is that the latter see the enemy outside the group. So a group that is issue oriented it sees the enemy outside the group. Mm-hmm. The group knows it is right and that it has the truth and wants to impose it. The members of a community know that the struggle is inside each person and inside the community. It is against all the powers of pride, elitism, hate, and depression that there are and which hurt and crush others and which cause division and war of all sorts. The enemy is inside, not outside. Mm. When we cozy up uh, to any political leader, um, even for the best of intentions, what what we're doing is we're forming a group. We're not forming a community. The enemy is not Hillary. The enemy is not liberals. The enemy is not Supreme Court justices. The enemy is not Republicans or Donald Trump. According to Jesus' followers, the enemy is not flesh and blood. If it's flesh and blood, we fight for it, not against it. But the enemy turns out to be the darkness in our own hearts. And so the focus of a Jesus-following community that's going to focus on being a tribe of example, a tribe of agape love and service, and a tribe of wisdom has to be the enemy is in our own hearts, right? Mm-hmm. The, enemy is, the enemy is us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in dealing with the sin in my life, the darkness as the chief of sinners, um, I become the kind of person who can then step into a world where there are liberal Supreme Court justices or conservative ones, mm-hmm. where Trump is president or Hillary, and not be um, not be uh, tyrannized by the fear that sits around all of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Because when we cozy up, we begin to alienate. So if you think that to become a Jesus follower means you have to love guns, you have to hate taxes, you have to hate gays and you have to lobby against transgender bathrooms. If you think that to be a follower of Jesus means uh, that you love the military, you're for, for torture, um, you're okay with war, you're pro-death penalty. If that's what comes to your mind, if what comes to your mind when you think Christian is a bunch of political positions, then we have done an awful, awful job mm-hmm. representing Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the cozying up to candidates in this respect needs to be repented of and called out because um if if that's what you think of when you think of jesus i I think jesus jesus would come down here and have the harshest words for us yeah that's what i got Mm. um sorry as you were so as you as you kind of got through all those powers i got i got this picture of a particular uh, teaching from jesus and i'm curious about how it how that might play out like as because it was kind of given as a teaching and i'm wondering what this looks like in our kind of socio-political situation here so when um when when jesus responds with the the teaching of like you know to turn the other cheek mm-hmm. as i i remember hearing i can't remember if you taught this or, or someone else taught this and i it was the first time i'd heard it this way but that the at the time, the power represented when a Jew was basically like struck by a Roman soldier across his backhand on a certain cheek was a, a certain power representation of like authority to slaves. Right. But the, so for a Jew to turn the other cheek would force a Roman to have to slap him with his forehand, open, open, open hand. hand. And it actually was a symbol like Romans could only do that to, to Roman appear. citizens to and to appear. appear. Yeah. So it was a way to declare social equality as a form of submission and saying like, I am as human as you as like a way of yep. like speaking equality. So am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Or like, so there's so, so yes, there are many views on that. Yeah. So, but, but there's an interesting take on this. That's exactly what you're saying in an honor, shame culture in a culture that was obsessed with status markers, mm-hmm. the hitting, hitting, slapping somebody with the back of the hand, um, was what a superior did to an inferior. Mm-hmm. Hitting somebody with an open palm is what you could only do to a uh, an equal in okay. status. And so some think that what Jesus is doing in that section where he talks about 
hey, if someone uh, sues you for your for your cloak, give them your undergarment as well. Mm-hmm. That 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 would be shaming, publicly shaming the person that had brought the suit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and shaming them into a more just, uh, a more just uh, action. Mm-hmm. And this, and the same thing here, that instead of striking back, which yeah. is what we would want to do, the turning of the other cheek um, and forcing the Roman then to either walk away, mm-hmm. uh, losing that honor and shame exchange, or to hit them with an open palm in which they're granting equal status, right? In which they, in, 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 and in that case, they still lose the honor shame game, right? Right. It, it was brilliantly subversive by Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, the bigger point, whether you agree with that interpretation or not, the bigger point was the evil done to you, do not return. Yeah. Um, absorb it, um, uh, protest it, you know, uh, uh, allow people to see the injustice of it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but don't return it. Yeah. And, and then the, the bigger issue is, well, how do we, then if a nation turned the other cheek, that nation would be invaded and destroyed. And so Paul has in Romans 13 and a couple of other places, uh, indications that governments are established by God to help rein in evil. And okay, I'm 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 a big fan of where we live. We just celebrated Fourth of July. I'm a huge fan. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, as systems of the world go. This is seemingly the best one. Yeah, and I'm thrilled to live here. Yeah. Uh, and would 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 uh, serve to protect it, to love it, to honor it, to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the it's this nationalistic stream that's gotten into mm-hmm. evangelicalism in the last 40 years right. that right. I think we're all just growing tired of. Yeah. And that this latest episode is just like, guys, mm-hmm. this is so the wrong thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. And this takes, so this takes me back to the, the tweet you talked about in the beginning. And I was just thinking of that, that teaching and then that. So I, I guess what, what does it mean then for us to be a fearless church? in the weight of like these types of power being exercised, yes. you know, like turning yes. and like, okay, well then how do we be a body in a community that is saying, regardless of these other forces and power taking place in government, this is the type of like, this is what we'll trust. This is what we'll go with to, to yeah. represent fearlessness in our yeah. current political situation. Right. Um, well, for me, I mean, th- this is, that's such a great question. Eddie. So for me, here are things that, like it looks for me, it's, it's, it's the reminder that Jesus is Lord is the most politically subversive slogan ever said. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that following Jesus is political. I, I grant no other loyalty than yeah. loyalty to Jesus. And so that's loyalty to Jesus then makes secondary all other loyalties. So uh, my loyalty isn't to America first, it's to Jesus. My loyalty isn't to my family first, it's to Jesus. Now, in being loyal to Jesus, I'm loyal to my family. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm loyal to my country, but I'm not always loyal to my government. Sure. And there's a difference there. Mm, okay. So, so the government may enact laws that I see that are unjust. And I think there has to be a place for uh, prophetic civil disobedience um, against laws that I think harm human flourishing and, and un, uh, that are unjust. Uh, and so there might be times for the love of Jesus and for the love of country I may uh, civically protest. So, I mean, then the classic example, of course, is Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. and 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 all that went in um, to uh, to. And the more I read about it, the more I'm like, oh my goodness, this was this was unbelievable what happened, mm-hmm. and that there were a few courageous white evangelicals uh, who jumped in early, but the vast majority weren't. And you go, okay, my goodness, if we're if we're that blind then, what are we blind to now? Oh yeah. And people will say abortion, and people will say um, the the homosexual agenda, or you know, and 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 so there'll be answers to those questions. Um, but for me, being fearless means first and foremost being rooted in the untarnishable kingdom, the incorruptible kingdom of, of Jesus, and being aware of what's happening around the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea that the movement of Jesus is somehow contingent upon which political system gets in party, mm-hmm. or in power, excuse me, yeah. um, is absolutely ludicrous. So it's, it's, it's reading the great cultural narratives about Yahweh being king in the Old Testament. It's reading, it's immersing myself in the Gospels. And, 
Uh, and the reminder in in the letters of Paul about Jesus is now Lord of the universe, not just you know Lord of Christians. Yeah. And uh, the story has a, a very beautiful ending. In the mid in the midst though, you, we are people who believe that the kingdom of Jesus has come and it's still coming. It's now and not yet. So Jesus has come and there's there's healing and there's redemption and there's forgiveness and there's renewal. And there's still evil, and there's still injustice, and there's still suffering, and and so we live in this paradox. Um, one one theologian called Jesus followers the presence of the future, hmm. that um, we are people who believe that God will erase the evil out of the world at some point. He will judge it and erase it, and renew the world, and we get to be agents of that renewal ahead of time. But the renewal that we are a part of is much smaller and much more subtle. Jesus likened it to like a mustard seed, that it's the tiny seed, but it, but after a while it takes over a whole field or like a little bit of leaven in a batch of, of bread dough. It's tiny, mm-hmm. but it ta- and it takes a while to work through sure. and influence the whole batch. But once it does, it's taken over the whole thing. Right. I mean, even like Jesus, even Jesus as a human. You know, it's like one right. human, and then now, 2,000 years later... You and know? one human in a backward part yeah. of of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. in a backward part of Israel, in a hick town, yeah. uh, and and totally, the first 30 years, we got nothing. We only got three years we think of his life. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. exactly right. So, Jesus came <laughs> as that seed right. um, that was slow and subtle and not worthy of much attention. And so, so to me, like kingdom power, Holy Spirit power, uh, the power of agape love. I mean, those are the things I need to be recaptured by. Mm. And the way those things happen is to begin to be so rooted in Jesus that uh, I begin to step out courageously and begin to have conversations with people that I, I wouldn't normally agree with or begin to engage in conversations knowing people will disagree with me, but this is for the sake of I think uh, a, a reminder about how beautiful Jesus is, and then he transcends Hillary and Donald and Republicans and Democrats, and and every Christian will agree with that. But then you wouldn't know that Jesus is Lord, no matter who is, based upon the angst and the anger and the mm. energy that's directed. I just would love if all that venom could be sucked out of the church and redirected towards something uh, that uh, proved more beneficial. Because I'm not saying, and please hear this, we should vote. We should care. Yeah. I care about these issues. I don't I don't talk through a lot of my personal political opinions. People say I'm liberal. Oh, you don't even know. You have no idea what I really think about certain political issues. To me, what's at issue is how we approach political issues. That's the point. Yeah. And how we think about them and how we engage in conversation in the world while the world is watching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we present ourselves as a, a voting block looking for power, well, we become a threat. We don't become good news. We don't become gospel. Mm. We don't become love. Right. We're a voting block with an agenda. And for many in our world, that agenda is to restrict their freedom. That is to restrict their ability to love who they want, mm-hmm. their ability to be whoever they want. Right. So, so well, and it's like you said, I mean, the voting block just sounds like a group. It doesn't sound like a community. That's, you know, like that's, you know, identifying the enemy on the outside. I mean, Trump is saying like band together, band together. It's like together against whom? Yeah. Because that's all that means. Yeah. Because it's so like that we get power. Again. Yeah. So that we get power against something else. I mean, it's, it's all authoritative language to establish a different authority. And like that is not at all community. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look at Facebook after this one's posted. <laughs> I'm not going to. Just so you guys know. Uh, and and. But then we wouldn't have a great podcast in two weeks to recap it. That's true. All right. All right maybe. All right, Andy Bear. All right. I think we've done enough damage. Yeah, I'd shut it down. Oh. I mean, I, I'm still lamenting the um, the brute force power Mike put upon me to turn the mics on today for this episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, tr- I'm working on my Machiavellian power, but it's not. I just have to literally pick you up yeah, and set you down. Force my finger to hit record. Yes. <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, oh, I hope there's, we always pray that there's something good and God honoring in all of this. So um, may that be so. And uh, we thought today that the blessing wouldn't come from number six, but would come from the Lord's Prayer. Mm. So I just want to repeat this, the kind of the mic paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer. Um, and I want to say this is kind of a blessing over you. Our Father in the heavens, may your name be seen and be kept as holy. 
may your kingdom come and may your will be done in Brea, California, uh, as it is in heaven, and wherever my brothers and sisters are, as it is in heaven. Um, God, would you give us what we need for today, the grace to get through today? And would you help us to forgive those who've hurt us, those who uh, insult us, those who persecute us, those that uh, we disagree with, those that have betrayed us, um, because we know you forgive us. And, uh, and would, you, would you protect us from the enemy? There is a real adversary and there is real darkness. And we're called to wage war against that. And so we, we ask that you would protect us and watch over us and keep us far away from that. And, uh, and, and God, may uh, above all else, may we be people who look more and more like Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Geary podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Geary. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Geary for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.